0: Hello Feisties! I'm Sarah Gross, CEO and founder of Feisty Media, and I'm here to tell you that our foundational strength training course, Strong, is on sale now through April 10th. If you're like me, you probably get a lot of crap in your Instagram or Facebook feed telling you how you should look or how you will feel if you look a certain way. As summer approaches, this only gets worse. We are told we should have a quote unquote summer body as if our bodies somehow morph into something completely different just because the weather changes. And frankly, over here at Feisty Media, we are totally sick of it. Because at Feisty, our vision is to build an empowering culture for active women. We want to shift our attention away from what our bodies look like and focus instead on what our bodies can do especially during the summer months, when having the physical strength to do the activities we love is so important. The Strong course is designed to take any woman, regardless of your starting point, through everything you need to know to level up your strength training journey. It includes a 16-week program to help you progress from wherever you are to lifting heavy or heavy-ish with dumbbells or a barbell. It also includes modules on the physiology of strength training for women, nutrition, how we keep ourselves injury-free, and more. I want every woman to be able to do the things that bring her joy and be strong enough to do them for life. Enrollment in this course is now open, and you can sign up and learn more at womensperformance.com forward slash strong. Or check the show notes of this episode for the link. And for those of you who are among the 800 women who have already taken the Strong course with one of our previous cohorts, congratulations on taking the plunge. And to the rest of you, see you in the course in April. Make this summer your strongest and best ever. Head over to womensperformance.com forward slash strong today.
1: I hope in this 2022 that we're at the point where if there's a little girl out there who wants to play sport, there's an opportunity and we don't have to worry about her having that opportunity. We don't want what Julie did to turn this into a freak show,
2: freak show, freak show. Some people I'm sure had funny feelings about it. I know the men did. I didn't really care. Is not, you know, about skin color and you know all these other socioeconomic differences. You want your team to win. I'm Celine Yeager. I'm Sarah Gross. This is Nine. Voices for Title IX, powered by Inside Tracker.
0: A podcast that tells the stories behind the law that changed everything. This is Nine. Nine Nine. 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 nine.
2: Hey Sarah. Hey Celine. So this week is very exciting because you're doing the interview again. This is your second one. And uh, for those who do not know, uh, Sarah Gross is an Ironman champion and founder and chief of all things Feisty Media here. But I felt like this was a really perfect pairing this week because our guest, who we'll get into in a moment, really is emphasizes how important sport is not for sport itself but because of everything else in life your opportunities you're learning how to work with a team all those life lessons and opportunities you get for the rest of your life which is something i've heard you say a million times and i feel like is the core of your being so i think this, <laughs> you guys you guys were really well paired
0: <laughs> i d- i did vibe with janet quite a lot yeah, yeah i met her so like janet so it is
2: janet uh
0: oh sorry janet cone yep guest reveal is our guest and she's the athletic director of both men's and women's sports at the university of north carolina at asheville and she's been in that role for 18 years uh, which is quite incredible for a female athletic director Uh, and i met janet when i was in asheville we were looking for an event at um for like at a venue for an event in asheville and she showed us all around her like all around i got to see the whole like all the athletic facilities and everything at Asheville. Uh, so that was pretty fun. And right away, sorry, you were just saying that I was vibing with her. Like right away, I was like, oh, I love this woman. Like she, you know, at the time, I think she's, I think she is actually 70 now, she says in the show, but she, yeah. she, um, or she might've said she's almost 70, but she like, right away, I was like, wow, she is, this is a highly, highly competent person um, and has seen the way that like Title IX plays out kind of at in every aspect from the fact that she was a university athlete in the 70s you know yep. to like being a coach where she had to deal with like an unequal pay or even the fact that like men were taking the jobs that had been women's jobs we talked about that so every level of all the things we would talk about in this series is kind of discussed with janet here so pretty exciting
2: yeah no i thought she was like another one that really epitomized what this whole nine voices for title nine is expressing and you know the two of you together definitely vibed it just some like interesting stuff that stood out for me was the whole because there were some things I'm like we're still talking about that like the whole girl dad thing Mm -hmm. really um really stuck out for me because she was talking about how there were not that many opportunities and it bugged her. Like she wants to play uh, little league baseball or she wanted to be the high school quarterback of the football team or whatever, but, you know, just kept hearing, well, no, there's no, you know, girls don't do that. Girls don't do that. Mm-hmm. And the only reason that there was some more opportunities for her, like field hockey or whatever in high school was because the high school uh, football coach at the time was a quote unquote girl dad. You know, like he didn't, he had boys, he had girls. So he wanted to make sure that they could play some sports so they could play basketball. And we're still, I have such a double, I have a love hate thing with that because like we still hear it. We still hear like, oh, well, they'll get opportunities now because they're a girl dads And I'm like, why? <laughs> why do we need like, oh, so if, so if they had sons, they would, that things would just still be the same. You know, that's right. Just, it always rubs me a little, not not well.
0: Yeah. It's a strange way of kind of patting the back of a supportive man, you know, of saying like, the reason he's being supportive is because he has girls, right? It's like, if you wouldn't have noticed that there's gender inequity in sport until you had a daughter, like you're, you're actually sort of behind the mark, you know, like (laughs) catch up people.
2: Yeah. I mean, so I appreciate the allyship, but oh boy, you know, (laughs) I'm just like, oh boy um and i love that she mentions uh joan chrome um Mm -hmm. who you know we've had on a previous episode because it's like really rad to see all these um same generation of trailblazers sort of working together to get it done and she even talks about that like you know they meet each other and they'll be like let's get stuff done and um i thought that was really cool too
0: yeah yeah i did too and she and like Janet got shit done, <laughs> you know, yeah. like she added women's sports, like she added golf and swimming to the NCAA at, yep. um, at Asheville. And yeah. she's also like the first woman to be added to the NCAA division one men's basketball committee too, which is, um, very cool. Uh, I also liked the fact like when she sort of said, that she was sometimes or she felt her and her colleagues, like you talked about, like that that kind of cabal of women working together to become athletic directors in the generation that first generation of that existing um afraid to ask for too much or be perceived as a troublemaker because you might not get that opportunity and i think that that's something that hasn't come up in this series yet but i think is very true in change making environments that that first generation has to like and and even the second generation just changes how they have to play the game kind of to get to where like you know how far to push and when to stop (laughs) You know, totally
2: and i and i think i think joan Referred to that in her own way when she was talking about having to use humor. You know, I mean, I remember Mm -hmm. her talking specifically about like stuff that wouldn't sit well and people that, you know, she didn't necessarily agree with or weren't necessarily on the same page. But these are the folks you need to work with and you need to play this game in a certain way. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting what, like, that we're talking like this because those are all sports skills and analogies, right? Mm. Like, you're coming in, you know, as, kind of an underdog, you know, like in some ways, you know, you're outpowered, you know, and you have to figure out how to leverage what you do. You know, it's all, it all comes from sport Mm -hmm. and that's what, you know, and they're, so they're making their own point in many ways and also living their own points. It was really interesting.
0: Oh, absolutely. And back to the first point that you made too, like Janet's living her own point about how sport teaches leadership and that can affect like someone's everything from mental right. health to their opportunities in life, right? So we certainly see how Janet has um,
2: grown and become a leader throughout her life in this interview. Totally. So I think we let people just listen in. It was a really good one. Cool. After a word from
0: our sponsors. Raise your hand if you believe we need more women and more overall diversity at our triathlons. Now keep that hand up if you want to be part of the solution. The team at Lifetime, the nation's premier healthy way of life brand, is right there with you. Their main focus? The iconic Verizon New York City Triathlon coming up on July 24th. For this year's New York City Tri, Lifetime replaced their registration lottery, added a duathlon distance, and implemented a rookie refund program, all to get more racers, like you, of every age, skill level, and background to take on the concrete jungle. They have women, but not enough. They have non-binary participants, but they need more. They have athletes from 39 states and 17 countries, but they want to cover every corner of the globe. Let's write a better future for endurance sports together. Visit nyctri.com today to reserve your spot to race the greatest city in the world. That's nyctri.com.
2: Female hair loss is a topic few of us want to talk about, but it impacts nearly 30 million women, so we should. And that's why we appreciate that Bonafide's healthy hair and scalp product, Silvesa, is one of our show partners. With Sylvesa, Bonafide designed the first comprehensive system designed to restore and protect hair and skin affected by estrogen decline from the inside and out. It consists of a three-part system containing a daily capsule, hair serum, and skin serum to be combined for healthier looking skin and hair. During a 12 week clinical study, Bonafide found that 92% of women saw improvement in hair volume, 82% saw improvement in hair thickness, and 67% saw improvement in scalp coverage. Over 8,300 uncompensated doctors in the US recommend Bonafide's products. All of their products are prescription and hormone free. And for listeners today, we want to give you 20% off your first purchase of Silvesa and or any of Bonafide's products when you subscribe to any product. Just go to hellobonafide.com slash title9 and use the promo code TITLE9. That's hellobonafide, B-O-N-A-F-I-D-E dot com slash title9 and the code TITLE9, all caps T-I-T-L-E and the number 9 for 20% off at checkout. For the best prices and free shipping go directly to the hellobonifycom slash Title 9 website. That is their best offer anywhere. So check it out and use the promo code TITLE 9 today.
0: Janet, how are you today? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm so happy to be here in the studio with you. Um, you know, we met in Asheville. Uh, Absolutely. I, time is a weird... so I don't even know how long ago that was but um I was definitely delighted to meet you and I knew from that first encounter that you were someone for whom gender equity and sport had been so important for for a long time how did you first you know what was kind of your first would you say like encounter with like the idea that sport might not be equal for men and women
1: Oh, wow. That, you know, that's a great question. I think um, one of the things, um, I'm from a very large family, so Mm -hmm. I was between two brothers, Mm -hmm. and obviously to see the opportunities they had when I was sort of a little girl, and I was wondering why couldn't I play Little League baseball, or, you know, I wanted to be the quarterback on the football team, but somebody would say, but girls don't do that, and you know, and then when I um, got into elementary school and middle school and on into high school, it, you know, it was pretty clear that um, the boys had many more opportunities and than than some of the girls did. Um, so, you know, I think it was one of those things you kind of figure out pretty quickly, like why can't we do that and how come yeah. they get to do that. But I was very fortunate in this way, our high school football coach, who was also the um, athletic director, his, he had daughters, he did not have sons. So we were fortunate even, you know, pre-Title IX that we had a few more opportunities, just the fact that he had daughters and their his daughters wanted to play basketball. So in some ways, you know, Mm I had a little bit of an advantage, but it was pretty obvious there was not as many opportunities for, for the other sports. Yeah. And how did you react to that as a child? How did you feel about it? <laughs> uh, my, well, if you know anything about my personality, I'm I'm like, even as an adult, I'm like the third grader that keeps raising their hands saying, well, how come? Why can't we? I just don't understand. Explain that to me. So, you know, I was always questioning mm-hmm. and um, very early on, I can remember not, not only in sports, um, you know, I was sort of like someone would say, well, why don't and, and all occupations are very important, trust me. And I have a great deal of respect for nurses and, you know, administrative assistants. But, you know, people were saying, well, you, you're you going to go, you know, why don't you be a nurse? And I'm thinking, why why can't I be a doctor, <laughs> you know? And so, and of course, remember, I'm much older than than you are. So mm-hmm. it was very unusual that women were having those careers as lawyers or doctors or even you know, coaches or certainly athletic directors were you know hardly non-existent uh, opportunities for women. But I'm I'm like the kid in third grade. Why not? Why not? Why not?
0: Right. And did you do you think? Did you believe that you could? Like, was oh, there part I, I, of you that? Yeah. Go ahead.
1: I believe um, early on that I could, and um, I don't know why. You know mm-hmm. why that is because um, obviously. I love my I love my parents. I love my mother to death, but she was of the she didn't have those opportunities certainly, and it was more like, well, you can't do that. Girls don't do those things, and mm-hmm. I'm like, but this girl's gonna do those things, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it was one of those. In some ways, I probably sort of to them as the my mother's like, where did this child come from, you know? Because I always felt like, why not? I am. I'll try. And, you know, and then the other thing that happened to me, to tell you the truth, I was very fortunate in middle school and high school, my um, coaches, it was a a young husband and wife team that moved to, uh, I grew up in Somerville, South Carolina, um, Mike and Lynn Malden, and they were just became role models for me and, you know, and really kind of said you know girls can play sports what do you want what do you want to play tennis you want to play golf and you know really introduced me to those kinds of things like not only can you but you know just open a whole new world and you know I like any you know athlete you kind of idolize your coaches particularly if you have really good ones that are great role models and so that they opened a whole door which um Mm -hmm also led to how I got to Furman University to, um, as my undergraduate, to get my undergraduate degree was because of them. Wow, what was your undergraduate degree in? Yeah, so I ended up, it was really a a kind of a strange story, but my my coaches said to me, I applied to Duke and Clemson, and really, I was thinking I was going to go pre-med, and they one, one Sunday afternoon, I think I was over in their house and they said, why have you ever thought about Furman? I'm going Furman University and where is that? And I'm from South Carolina, he said in Greenville. So I remember I went home and I told my mom, I said, can we go up, take a drive up to Greenville? I want to look at Furman before I decide where I'm going to school. And so we went up on a weekend and just kind of drove up to Greenville. And as soon as I drove into the, we drove into the gates, I went, this is where I want to go to school. Mm -hmm. I hadn't even applied or anything, so I immediately applied and thought, I have to go to school here, and and this is going to kind of give the story of how I got into um, coaching and athletic administration, Mm. so I ended up, after going up there, coach mentioned it, I would go up there, this is the only place I wanted to go to school (laughs) now is Furman University, and it really changed my life, because At Furman is where I started in pre-med, but I met Dr. Ruth Reed, who really is probably the first female who said, you can do anything you want to do. You can go to med school, but you have this passion about sports and teaching. And um, have you ever thought about perhaps going in? And I'm like, what kind of careers am I going to have in that? So she was really Sort of pre Title IX, and as Mm. Title IX was happening, at you know during that time, really was that role model that encouraged encouraged me to do that. So, I I called home and said, "Guess what? I'm not going to be a doctor." My mother said, "Well, now you're going to be a nurse, right?" I'm like, "No, I'm going to go major in what at the time was health and physical education, which is now exercise science at Furman, and and I'm going to teach and coach and really." changed my life to tell you the truth It was the best mm-hmm. decision I've ever made
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um but little did I know I quickly realized there were going to be many challenges for women in sports all the way to the salaries and the opportunities and you know what you can and cannot do for your team and with your team so mm-hmm. but I would never I would never change what I'm doing I think it's been a great career and great opportunities
0: Yeah. You've mentioned role models a few times, right? And, and it feels like, you know, you said about the the football coach whose daughters played basketball, and then this couple who helped encourage you to go to university and then Dr. Ruth, I forget what her, her last name (laughs) Dr. Ruth (laughs) Reed. Amazing. Now would, would, in what way did those role models help you? Like, did they, were they themselves, was it what they were doing or the way that they encouraged you or or kind of both?
1: I really believe it was both. Um, You know, A lot of lot of what they said to me, you know, I think everybody wants somebody to believe in them or somebody to encourage them, say, yes, you can. And I actually, you know, throughout my life, I can I can tell you others that have told me, yes, you can be an athletic director or yes, you can be a division one coach, you know, for whatever reasons they come into your lives. And they're the people that just kind of help lift you up and mm-hmm. encourage you, and so one of the things I've learned from all of my role mo- models, and, and now, you know, the, the I guess the buzzword is mentors, you know, who are your mentors, mm-hmm. um, I've made a commitment, if they help me now, I'm going to help somebody else, so, you know, I've tried to take that into my career, that when someone's um, I try and never be too busy to take a phone call or answer an email mm-hmm. with someone who says, hey, you got 30 minutes for me to talk to you about a career in athletics or how did I get started or what can I mm-hmm. do? And so, you know, I think it's it's kind of a twofold thing. You know, they encourage me. They help me see opportunities, help me accountable because remember, you still have to do the work yourself, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yet, the part that I've probably enjoyed the most is they've taught me to give back. You know, to open doors for other—not mm. um, just women—for for you know, if you got an opportunity to help people in, in their careers, why not help them?
0: Right, like like if a media company emails you and asks you to be on a podcast about title
1: that. <laughs> I definitely would do it. See, I remember meeting you too. And I felt like then there was something you had excitement and through I'm always attracted to people that have this can do attitude or life is good. And mm-hmm. um, let's, you know, let's stay in touch. So, you know, I try to help as much as I can. And um, that part, especially when you get to the point where I am in my career, probably some of the most rewarding things you do now is helping others. You know, you, mm-hmm. I've had um, and I'm certainly not retiring or, or walking away from athletics anytime soon, but it's, some, it's, it's such a rewarding to help someone who is starting their career mm. get an opportunity or connect them with someone else that can help them. Um, mm. And I really believe back to Title IX, you know, we have so many more opportunities now to help women find those careers. And it's not just as coaches or administrators, it's in media Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I've had fun. Debbie Antonelli's become a close friend and and seeing her career in media and Leslie Visser, you know, who was a trailblazer mm-hmm. with CBS, you know, has come to, to our campus because we do this event called Our Turn to Play, which is really to celebrate Title IX and help our present student athletes kind of um, realize that, yeah, we're not where we are. And there's been many, many people who have been trailblazers, but we still have, you know, room to go. We, we still have to help um, many others get opportunities.
0: Absolutely. Okay, let's go. I want to go to the early 1970s. Um, because I just, I want to get a sense, you know, I, I was born in 1976, right? So I didn't know what was going on in the zeitgeist until at least like the mid eighties, but like around that time, where were you in your athletic progression? And then also, um, what was, what was kind of in the air? Like, do you remember talk about title
1: IX? You know, honestly, you know, I was in college, so there you go. Mm-hmm. You're you're more of my youngest sister is your age. So I was in college and mm-hmm. my youngest sister was born.
0: Mm-hmm. Same
1: parents. And and you know, it was still we were getting some opportunities, but there certainly was not the same opportunities as they are now. And um, and I think that you know that was the beginning part of seeing some real trailblazers who were speaking up more for women and um different universities stepping up saying you know we got to do things differently and remember we were coming out of what I call the AIAW pre-women sports in NCAA so you know we're switching over to that and there were still at that time you know a lot of um dual departments you know there was a female um athletic department and a our women's athletic department and men's athletic department and um you know and, and that's where you started to see some some great role models like Joan Cronin you know for years was you know the ath- women's athletic director at Tennessee. And I was fortunate this is back to how people have role models have made a huge difference in my life. Um, you know I ended up graduating from firm and um, got my master's at the University of South Carolina started a career in college coaching and then somehow, I ended up at Sanford University, which had never had a women's basketball program. They asked me to come start one. And through being a coach at Sanford, I got into administration and met Chris Bowles, who was, you know, longtime female athletic director at the University of um, Minnesota. And, you know, she was a trailblazer in so many ways. And you talk about a let's go get it done, you know, works with, had worked with the Women's Sports Foundation. I can't tell you the, the number of people that she has influenced and encouraged and helped open doors for, Um, but, you know, back in the 70s, you know, those are some, just a few of the women that were really trailblazer opening doors so that I can sit here today and say, yes, I'm a Division I female, who is the athletic director over both men and women's sports. You know, that was not going to happen back in the 76, early 80s. It just was not possible.
0: Yeah. And I want to talk about sort of like how rapidly things changed. But I'm wondering first, like in the 70s, was there pushback? Like, did you at any time, did you actively try to ask for something? Or do you remember times when people just weren't open to change?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, there's some things I think about and, and, I hate to call them you know they call them war stories, I guess, mm. you know, so sort they're of like, you know, um you know, fifteen people packed in a fifteen passenger van going to a basketball game or a field hockey, and perhaps the the male team was riding on a chartered bus. I mean it was pretty obvious that those things were different mm. and and you know, in those late seventies, early eighties, I think there were many um women who are in coaches and and girls playing sports who started saying wait a minute something does not seem right Mm -hmm. and um so I do believe we were questioning like why Mm -hmm. not why can't we have the same amount of per diem on a trip or you know why can't we travel on a chartered bus and um you know I do believe though some of the early part is um just knowing we were getting more opportunities to have more sports, you know, and and that, you know, we saw some of those early things where we were adding some sports teams and giving, um, you know, but you were also a little bit afraid to ask for too much because, you know, you would uh, maybe be uh, labeled as someone who is, you know, not going to, you know, if you criticize or you challenge, you might not get that next job to be a coach somewhere else. So there was a lot of that still. Um, I, I perceived that, you know, some people were having that kind of conversation. They were, they were afraid in some ways. Yeah. Um,
0: And you see a lot of that, right? With with, especially with women, even today, working in male-dominated industries, like constantly that line between like how much
1: you push back and ask for, and how much you play the game in order to get what you want. Yeah, and um, I don't say I, you know, I my career is probably somewhat different, um, and I don't maybe I've just been fortunate to have so many people that um, have helped me in my career and and some have been women, many of them were men, because the men were the ones in charge, right. and I can go down, you know, everywhere, wherever I have been, even when um, at Mars Hill, which is Mars Hill University, my first coaching job um, there, Dr. Walker, um, great, great guy who really was trying to help grow women's sports at the time, and he was a little bit ahead of his time, so when I went there as my first head coaching job, he, he really was trying to to do the right thing and help women. And then obviously, you know, probably my greatest mentor was Bob Roller at Sanford University when I got hired to go there to start women's basketball at the same time they were starting women's um, soccer. And actually, when I got the phone call to, um, they called me and said, would you consider, I thought it was a joke. I'm going, are you kidding me? Don't you? everybody's got women's basketball, you might not have lacrosse, or you might not have volleyball, and they're like, no, we don't, and I'm going, wow, do I want to go to a school that doesn't Mm. even have, you know, but they were being very proactive at that time, after many years of not having things, or not, you know, having the sports for women, they were really trying to catch up, and so I was excited to be at a place like Sanford, that was saying, "Okay, almost enough is enough. We're going to really start treating our men's and women's program equally." And um, it was a great, great experience. And Bob Roller was the one that kept saying to me, "If you ever want to get out of coaching, you'd be a great administrator." And he was saying, "And you could be an athletic." I'm like, "It's no way. I'm gonna, a female is going to be an athletic director." And at the time, you know, there was probably maybe twenty female athletic directors in division one maybe 25 but he's like no I'm going to help you and that's how he encouraged me to find Chris Bowles because he said you need he said I can teach you a lot but I can't teach you what it's like to be the only female in a room of male athletic directors I can't teach so he was really a very encouraging and very what I call pro helping women and women in athletics and athletics and the sports teams at Samford. So, you know, I always say kudos to Samford University in Birmingham, Alabama of all places is really trying to catch up for many, many years, you know, since Title IX, you know, this is now, you know, gosh, 20 years later, 15, 20 years later after Title IX and, and they're really trying to be proactive. So, you yeah, know, I've, I've been in that, now, of course, As I've said before, you got to do the work to earn these opportunities, but to have different people who have said, yes, we're going to try to do this right. And now at at, um, the University of North Carolina Asheville, where I am, you know, we're pretty much treating the men's and women's team equally. And, you know, and that comes from. Maybe my background, where hey, as a little kid, saying, "Well, girls can't do that." Well, now I'm the one in right. charge. I'm like, "We're gonna treat everybody equally," you know. Yeah. And 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 you know, we've added actually two women's sports here at um, UNC Asheville since I've gotten here. But everywhere that I've been, I've been touched by people who have been saying, "Yes, you can. Yes, we can figure this out, and let's find a way." And, um, and that's, I've been fortunate because not many women, um, and I'm sure you're probably interviewing some can have that same story, you know, that they felt like there was a, you know, they talk about the glass ceiling or you had to do 10 times as much to get recognized. And, um, so, so I've, I've had an opportunity because I've had men and women who have said, let's try to do the right thing. And, mm-hmm. um, give women opportunities.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We often talk about how, you know, it's some, some people say it's, if you can't see it, you can't be it, or you have like that representation matters, which it totally does. But um, one of my friends said, no, well, you, if you can't see it, you can be it. It's just harder.
1: (laughs) It is harder.
0: It is Um, harder. And, um,
1: you know, one of the things too, you know, you go back to the seventies and the eighties, you know, when I was, Um, got out of college started you know working as a a coach and learning one of the things I learned early on though too was if you were a female in coaching you also had to be the director of marketing you had to be your own fundraiser so in reality I tell people like I had some great training to help me get ready to be an athletic director because as a coach I was doing all those things, you know. My coaching staff and I—we were at, we were the marketing, the communications, we were the fundraiser, we, you know, budgeting. So it was almost like you're getting hands-on training. And who would have thought, you know, years later, that was going to be some of the best um, training to become an athletic director. Um, The other part of this is um, I think there are some advantages when you become, if you've been a coach or student athlete and haven't had some things that other teams have had or other opportunities, when you become an athletic director, you really understand when a coach walks into your office and tries to explain, well, this is why we need this. This is what we need to look at. You're a lot more understanding because you've sat in that same seat where you've um, wow, how come we're going on vans and they're going on a charter bus? So you try to make that right, right, for the, for the next generation.
0: Wow, yeah. And so in the in the early '70s, when the law first passed, what were some of the immediate changes that you, that you noted?
1: Well, you know, obviously, I think some of the early changes where you saw. Um, all the way down to the high school level, people were adding some more sports because there was there was obviously a huge interest that probably you know people didn't realize how many if you how many more girls and women really wanted to play sports and I meet I mean women now who are in their 60s late you know mid 60s and said man I wish I could have been an athlete but there were no opportunities and so I think one of the early changes you know, you started seeing some more, um, some more teams added, you know, that to give those opportunities. And then the next thing that quickly I realized too, that because there were more teams being added, that more um, jobs were going to the men because the men were saying the opportunities on the women's side, and they're going to keep adding teams, they're going to increase salaries. So I want to apply for that job. So in some ways, and you could, you know, look at the research on this, um, because the the it has increased through the years, and I'll say it again, it's not nearly where it's supposed to be, but it's getting better. I think we just saw the thing about soccer, which is really great achievement after all these years, but. Lots of men realized that the opportunities on the women's side were going to be pretty good opportunities and, you know, they were going to be great job opportunities at major universities with, you know, a great salary. So we've seen in some ways that some of the opportunities that Title IX was supposed to create for women have gone to men. Right. And, uh, Were you coaching at that time? Cause
0: I have heard that before that as, as yeah. the salaries increased across the board for the coaches, yeah. especially if women's teams, men started to step into those positions, yeah. how did you and your coaching colleagues feel about
1: that? Yeah. Well, I think there's a lot of reasons for that too, because remember title IX is not just for athletics. So, you know, so some, some women, like I started out, I was going to be pre-med cause I was going to now have an opportunity to go to med school, which a lot of women hadn't. So because there are more opportunities in med, medical school, uh, law school, some women got those kind of opportunities, so they no longer felt like they were going to be, because te- remember, back then, people ha- were usually teachers who were also asked to coach, and so lots of women decided, well, yes, teaching's a great career, but I could also now be a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer, so I think some of it is um, women who would have chosen a career in um, sports said, "Wow, I can I can also choose a different career. I don't. That's 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 not my only opportunity." Mm -hmm. So I think it's. I think the the jobs are better, so more people apply for them, including men. And um, and one of the things I've seen through the years too is, you know, when you um, because it's so competitive and we we want to, if all possible, have women coach women. Um, there are when there are so many jobs out there that when you, if a hundred people apply, 30 of them probably are women and 70 are men because the jobs are better now. And so, you know, the, the men are applying for them. You know, the bottom line is you got to hire the very best coach you can find, regardless of You know, you can't discriminate, obviously, but, you know, I'd love to see some women and and I think with the better salaries that we're seeing and the professional opportunities, because now we have women, you know, coaching in Major League Baseball, who would have thought, you know, Um, that's that's one of those most recent things that you kind of go, wow. And we see sideline reporters. You're, you're not just a sideline reporter for football. Now you're out up there actually calling the game and the, as a main person. So you know you have more opportunities and different kinds of careers that women can go into. You, you don't have to just be a coach. You could be the marketing director at a major university, or you could be the sportscaster. And and so I I do believe we've created more opportunities and. Um, and, and that I'm happy for.
0: Yeah, for sure. And you at your at UNC, you put together a speaker series, am I right? You mentioned yes. it earlier. Yeah, and I know our, we talked about it before.
1: Yeah. yeah, our turn to play, we started it, gosh, 18 years ago, 17 years ago when I got here. Um, and actually, our first ever speaker was Chris Voles, because she was a perfect example of someone who had been an athletic director over a women's athletic department in college, but also who was very um, sort of before her time in um, realizing the opportunities you need to have for women. So she was a great first speaker. And through the years we've had Joan Cronin, we've had Leslie Visser, um, we've had a, a who's who come talk. And the whole purpose of the speaker series is we cannot forget what Title IX has done, but we also have to remember what we still need to do. And so, you know, we now have a generation um, of student athletes who just think that, you know, what they have today, that's how it's always been, but it hasn't been that way. And we also have a generation right now that realizes that it's still not completely fair. You know, our work is not done yet to make sure um, that everybody has the equal opportunity to play sports or you know, go to med school or engineering school, whether you're a male or a female, and I think that's been the best thing about Title IX is to remember that we still have work to do, particularly when it comes to salaries. That's that's one area that's been a little more um, in public discussion recently. That you know, the the differences between professional Men's soccer and women's soccer, or the WNBA and the NBA. And I say kudos to all those groups because you see they're making progress and people are really paying attention to it um, right now in 2022.
0: Yeah. The gender pay gap in pro sports is the thing that's just, it's mind blowing. You know, we talk about in other areas, it's often yeah. 80 cents on the dollar that yeah. in, in sport in pro sports, especially like the big five
1: sports, yeah. it's in, an insane gap. Right. How do we, how do we change that? Well, before I answer that question, I think, cause I want to always go back to what you were asking earlier, you know, when we first started with title nine, we were almost just just grateful we were getting opportunities you know you can pay me less I'm just glad I got the opportunity I think today is yes we're grateful that everybody has opportunities but we you know if you're equally qualified you need to make the same salary you know and um if it's if all things are equal, the salary should be the same. It should not be a difference because um, one person's a male and the other one is a female. Um, I, I think that's what we got to really keep bringing attention to. That you know, it's 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 the same. It's the same workload. It's the same requirements, and um, so I think that that's something we're going to have to keep in front of people and really. Um, make people understand and I, I think we're seeing you know it's it's really been interesting and and you've probably seen this too um what happened at the um women's final four a couple of years ago that brought a lot of attention to there's some differences and then immediately what started happening is a lot of the major corporations were like wait a minute I think the right thing we're going to start uplifting and doing more for the women and and that's that's kind of continued now several years. And I really like that because I'm like, let's get real. The women have a lot of buying power anyway. We're the ones out there buying the cars and doing, a, you know, that there's a lot of value there. And I think we've we've kind of started to see people really realize that.
0: hmm Mm -hmm. I think, sorry about the background noise. I think there's something going on outside. I don't know if you can hear that.
1: Um, You know,
0: it's interesting because I think as time time goes on too, it's sort of predicted that, I forget what it is. It's a shorter timeline than you expect, like 30 years, 50 years. Um, That We're expecting like women to start to control more of the wealth, Mm -hmm. right? And what we'll see happening then, I think, is what we're starting to see now, which is like women making decisions about, say, creating pro teams. Right. You know, like like we're seeing in women's soccer, like women are like, hey, let's just (laughs) let's just spend our money and have a pro women's team. Um, So I think we're going to see more and more of that. It's like super exciting.
1: Well, I I agree with you. And, and, you know, one of the things, too, you know, once again, if you look at all the research that uh, many, if not all of the Fortune 500 companies that have women in leadership roles, their background, they come, they've played sports, you know, and so, you know, let's not discount that those skills that we learn about teamwork, goal setting, um, are very important to success in careers, and you see those women having opportunities, they, they work their way up to the highest levels in these Fortune 500 companies, and you you interview them, you look at their bios and you'll see somewhere in there, oh, they played college tennis or they're a former college basketball player. You know, so I think, you know, we don't want to discount too that these opportunities that we give girls and women to play sports also help in those other kind of careers when they decide, you know, they you don't have to be a professional soccer player, but you're going to be professional in your, you know, finance or professional in um banking or some of those other careers and you what you learned as an from your sports is going to help you there so I think that's the other part that I love about what title IX did is you, you get to learn teamwork and those things because you had a chance to be on a team
0: you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, you're totally speaking my language. I love this. (laughs) Yeah, I hope this
1: is what (laughs) you. Absolutely.
0: This is exactly, you know, sometimes I'm asked to give presentations about women's sports. Mm -hmm. And this is exactly the point that I often land on is that like, if we don't have those equal opportunities, it's not just about sport. It's about the fact that like, our daughters will have more opportunities yeah. and will feel more confident. Yeah. It's about mental health. It's yeah. about career choices. It's about everything, it's about thriving. Yeah.
1: And I, I'm going to share you, you know, we talked about our turn to play. So we recently had the first ever male speaker at our turn to play. It was Mike Wan. And we had originally invited him two years ago when COVID happened because he was the executive director of the LPGA. And the reason we invited him because he was doing some cutting edge things in the LPGA to really promote women and to get the the um, the dollars the same and all this kind of stuff. Well, COVID kind of stopped that, so he came to speak to the R Turn to Play, and the message he gave was really something I had never thought about. He said that he. As a youth growing up, he never worried about him having a chance to play baseball or soccer or golf. If you're a male, you never think about that. As he got to be an adult, he never thought about his son having a chance to play. And, you know, because it was just a given. If, if you're a male, if you want to play sports, you can. He said when he, when he realized through working with the LPGA and all this, that And he he really said this to to all of us, if you have a daughter, guess what? You should be worrying whether or not they will have an opportunity. But if you have a son, you never have to worry about that. And so, you know, Title IX was met so that we didn't have to worry about our daughters or our niece or our granddaughter playing a sport. And so if Title IX is gonna, gonna be successful, we should never worry about if someone wants to play a sport and they're a little girl or a woman, they should be able to do that. But, you know, coming up back in the seventies, you know, it was sort of like, got to worry. I might not get, they might do away with the girls basketball team or we might not have one at our school, but that was not true for the, for the little boys or the, or the boys in high school that played. Cause they just, it was a given you were going to have sports for the boys. So, I hope in this 2022, that we're at the point where if there's a little girl out there who wants to play sport, there's an opportunity and we don't have to worry about her having that opportunity.
0: I absolutely love that. Um, I think, well,
1: I, I was going to stop there, but I do want to ask you
0: one more question. Okay. Um, what would you tell a young woman who wants to follow your career path? What advice would you give her?
1: Wow, I get asked that question a lot because I, I and actually I'm, I got one of our former student athletes who's getting her master's who wants to be an athletic director and she's going to interview me later this week. And, and that's her question, really. What, what advice can you give me? And I think the first advice I would give is it, I hope you're very passionate about what it is you're doing because every day, and I've been doing this a long time, but I still love what I do and so you you need to really know that you're passionate about athletics and about the value it can bring particularly if you're in higher ed because i do believe there's there's still lots of value that you know we bring to to our university so have that passion also always know what is your real purpose and if your purpose is about yourself you're probably going to struggle in athletics cuz the purpose at least for me, is how can I help student athletes and coaches achieve their dreams, whether that's on a playing field or golf course or whether that's in the classroom or that's whether that is helping them get to their careers, you know, is very, very important. And so I think, you know, you have to have your purpose and you have to have your passion um, are very, very important before you even think about all the skills and the things that you need to learn how to do to be an athletic director. And so, um, you know, I would really encourage, you know, if you can convince me that you're passionate and you know what your real purpose is, then we'll work on the other things, the skill sets and the, the relationships you need and and the connections and how to get you on a, a career path. You know, what are those first steps? I mean, that's a little bit of advice I'd give to somebody. And then i the advice or the wish that I would give them, I, if I could grant them one wish, I'd say I hope you have as much fun and meaning in your career as I've had in mind being at, being in athletics because it's it's been very rewarding and um, it's been tough it's been challenging at times and some days you scratch your your head and say what in the world is happening but um, I just think we still have opportunity to make a difference in young people's lives through sports and particularly through college athletics. And I see it every day. I saw 62 of them in early May walk across the stage and get their degrees and and I said to myself, you know, we made a difference because those are 62 athletes. that got a college degree Mm-hmm. and who are going out there and I think they're going to help change the world and I and I think that because they were an athlete that they probably have a little bit of an advantage over some others
0: yeah I completely agree so purpose and passion I love that you separated those two out you know because they are kind of two different things and yeah. then a find a mentor that's something else oh really gosh you gotta have a conversation mentor. Mm-hmm.
1: and I think you'll have um different mentors depending on sort of what stage you are in your life and and for what you're trying to do and um and you can't be afraid and 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 I talk to other groups about this and they don't believe me and then they the, the ones that do believe me realize it's a real gift you can give to someone you cannot be afraid to reach out to someone who you um, aspire to be like or feel like you can learn something from. And I think some people hold back and they go, yeah, when Janet, like I tell them, I say, hey, email me jcone Cone at uncashville.edu. My f- cell number is 828-606-1014. Call me if I can help you. And they're like, does she really mean that? And I'm going, I really do. And and recently. I had um someone at a university who's a female that wants to be an athletic director and she heard me say that on a, on a, one of these little zoom interviews and she sent me an email and I picked up the phone and called her called her and I've been mentoring her this entire year and she probably never expected that I really meant that but you know people will help you and um One of the things I did early on, and I tell, I said, this is old fashioned now, but I bet it'll still work. At the beginning of every summer, I would write five short note cards to five people that I wanted to learn something from. And say, hey, I I saw you just had a new book out. I found that fascinating. Um, Would you share with me whatever? Or can can I call you for 15 minutes? I did that for years. And I learned, I can't tell you the number of free books I got, 30-minute conversations, friends I met. So I think that's another way is, you know, look at an area that you're in, whether it's marketing, whether it's being an athletic director or, you know, um, a TV personality, sports personality. I guarantee if you write five people, at least four of them will respond to you. That's incredible. Help you. Yeah. And I, I tell, I, and you know, they don't play, I said, it'll, I said right now, if you actually write a real note card, since mm-hmm. people like to email and text, first of all, they will be shocked that you actually wrote something in, in a real mail, you know, sending it. Yeah. You'll stand out. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I think that's another thing, if you want to help, you know, kind of, mm find a way to get people to help you reach out to them. I mean, most people that are in, at least in athletics are really very giving, you know, they want to give back because they realize somebody's helped them. And um, I can't tell you the number of times I've emailed someone I've met and said, "Hey." I just did this with Peter Roby, who who I just think the world of. Mm-hmm. He was on the men's basketball selection committee, when, a group of us, and we've gotten to be friends. And I said, Peter, I'm mentoring two up-and-coming athletic administrators, and they've been listening to me for a year. Will you get on a Zoom with them, and, and he's on the night commission, and talk about what you think the future of athletics. And Peter, he said, sure, let's set it up. And so two of, the, two of the people I've been mentoring got mentored by Peter Roby by us just saying, hey, will you give us 30 minutes? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think um, particularly women need to be brave enough to do that, you mm-hmm. know, to, to be courageous enough to say, hey, I'm going to reach out to somebody. Hey, if you don't hear back from, them, so big deal. But I bet you'll hear back from some people that would generously donate some of their time to help you in your career.
0: I've found that to be true as well. Although I have not done five for a year. That's amazing. I feel like this is a great place to leave because I think, you know, sometimes we get bogged down in like the opportunities we don't have, or we see we get pushback, negative comments on social media, whatever it is. Um, And so, like what you said just there, most people want to help. And that, that's been my experience as well, is that people yeah. actually do want to help. I mean, they just don't know how to change the system or how to yeah. help. So if you ask yeah. them something specific and they can mentor you and you can, you know, go right. out and
1: change things, that's just wonderful. Right. Um, I agree with you. I mean, there's a lot more good in the world than we think there is right mm-hmm. now. And it's because there are still good people, you know, yeah. that really are trying to do um, this is my favorite thing to say right now, and I've probably stole it from somebody, so we'll have to give credit to somebody. I can't remember it. You know, it's it's more important to get it right than to be right. And I mm-hmm. think, you know, there's many, many people that think like that now, that it's not all about doom and gloom, that, you know, together we can figure things out. What's mm-hmm. the right thing to do? And whether that has to do with Title IX and giving women opportunities or um mm-hmm. I think we also need to remember there are some male sports that probably are not getting the right opportunity right now either. You mm-hmm. know that you know just in the world we're living in. Um, yeah. So it's more about let's try to do the right thing and and admit I'll be the first to admit we don't always get it right, but you, right. you say hey I screwed up sorry let's try to do it better next time and right. um, and I do believe and um, co- I believe dearly in college athletics um Mm -hmm. as part of higher higher education i think Mm -hmm. we've got a lot of work to do coming up here over the next couple years to make sure that other um people following us have those same opportunities
0: Um, yeah and you know i believe in college athletics too and um I want to thank you so much for everything that you've done for women in sport and for college athletics. So thank you so much, Janet. And thanks. Thank you for coming on the show.
1: Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for what you're doing to try to keep the word out there and keep people, you know, paying attention to this very important topic.
0: Whether you run, ride, hike, or swim, you understand what it means to push harder, reach farther, and go the extra mile. This relentless drive runs in your blood. That's why Inside Tracker provides you with a personalized plan to build endurance, boost energy, and optimize your health for the long haul. Created by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics, Inside Tracker analyzes your blood. DNA and fitness tracking data to identify where you're optimized and where you're not. You'll get a daily action plan with personalized guidance on the right exercise, nutrition, and supplementation for your body. And when you connect Inside Tracker to your Fitbit or Garmin, you'll also unlock real time recovery pro tips after you complete your workout. It's like having your own personal trainer and nutritionist in your pocket. For a limited time, you can get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just go to insidetracker.com forward slash feisty. That's insidetracker.com forward slash feisty.
2: Feisty Media's Title IX series is proudly partnered with Velorosa. Bella Rosa is a women-owned and operated cycling apparel company that creates mix-and-match cycling wear to make women feel comfortable, confident, and beautiful. Created by two avid women cyclists, they know the importance of high-performance biking shorts and jerseys that fit a woman's body. It doesn't work to shrink and pink men's gear and expect it to work for women. Bella Rosa believes cycling wear should be fun, comfortable, and visible. You want to be bright and to be bold and be seen. Velarosa's collections are designed to mix and match with coordinating kit pieces that allow women to get more mileage out of their cycling wardrobes. New for 2022, a completely redesigned cycling tank, reflective safety tabs on all of their tops and more long sleeve options for those chilly morning rides. You'll find tons of great reviews on their site from women who love Velarosa gear. Their five star rated shorts prove that when women try them, they love the fit particularly the yoga waistband, power leg bands, and the super soft, all black, what stains, chamois. Whether you like to ride pavement, gravel, dirt, or your local trail system, cycling is about the community. Join the sisterhood of cyclists that is Velarosa today. Enter FEISTY15, that's all caps, F-E-I-S-T-Y, number 15 at checkout, and receive 15% off of order of full-priced cycling wear at VellaRosaCycling.com today. women need more protein, and if you're training hard, you need a lot more, like upwards of 100 grams a day or even more. That can be a challenge to get through meals alone some days, so a good protein powder like Neurofi Plus from Provenex can help. Neurofi Plus is a vegan-friendly protein powder that is low in sugar, high in essential branched-chain amino acids, and contains probiotics and digestive enzymes, so it's easy to digest and doesn't cause the gassy feeling you can get with other protein powders. Norify Plus is laboratory tested and contains no soy, gluten, dairy, preservatives, or artificial sweeteners. Listeners of this series can get 15% off their first time purchase by using the code TITLE9, that's all caps and the number nine at checkout. Just go to Prevenex.com, P-R-E-B-I-N-E-X.com and use the code TITLE9 at checkout for 15% off your first purchase. If you don't like it, the company offers a hundred percent money back guarantee on all of their products within thirty days, no questions asked. Again, use the code Title Nine at checkout for fifteen percent off your first time purchase at Prevenex. So,
0: Celine, one thing I really liked about that interview, and something that I've, that we've seen, you know, as we've been going through this series, is that you know the one of the main messages we've this is the fight we've been fighting and we need to keep going and some of the ways and I love it when the guests kind of name the ways right that right. way the things to do because I think they have a lot of our guests in particular Janet you know has great insight into what needs to happen and one of the things she identified was around the, the gender gap in coaching you yeah. know and I, that really struck me because I thought oh wow there is a there's a gender of course there's a gender pay gap in coaching I just hadn't thought about it
2: <laughs> right. yeah I know it makes total sense and mm-hmm. and she you know as you mentioned she's an excellent person to point that out because she's been in it so long she has seen where the where the gaps have filled and where the gaps mm, are not so there's still gaps. Yeah, exactly. And so next week,
0: we have a very cool interview. Celine, why don't you tell us a bit about it?
2: I'm so stoked I found her. Um, this is mm-hmm. next week, uh, we have an interview with MMA fighter Amanda Levy. And I really love that guest. And one of the reasons that I loved her so much is that she's uh, another generation. She's 25, you know, mm-hmm. and she was kind of a, like aware of Title IX, even though it happened so, so long ago and was not able to use it to her advantage. So even now, so it was really interesting to talk to her and i um, really looking forward to that
0: one. Yeah, me too. I listened yesterday as well. So I'm super stoked about that next week.
2: Nine Voices for Title Nine, powered by Inside Jacker is a Feisty Media production.
0: This episode was produced and edited by the amazing Amelia Perry.